Hey, let's get arbitrary. It is the latest episode of the Geek Roulette Podcast, and we are doing an arbitrary episode where we talk about random things. I'm one of your hosts, Mike Spriggle. I am the other host, John Lundquist. He likes to think he oh. is. I mean, I think so. I suppose I could be like a scroll and just not know it or something. Maybe. I don't know. Nerd. Stranger things have happened. Uh, yeah. Four seasons worth. Accurate. Mm-hmm. And a, and a fifth to wrap it all up. Yeah. I don't know. I've still got to watch the four season. I haven't seen that yet. Uh, I feel the fourth season was probably one of the worst. Interesting. I, I would rank the seasons as such. First season, third season, second season, and then fourth. Mm. Good to know. I will report after I've seen it, but I don't know what I'm going to get to. I'm, try, I'm trying to get through some of the, um, like I started Moon Knight the other day because I still hadn't watched that. I'm trying to get through those before I watch, like, exactly. I know. What the fuck? But, uh, like, I haven't started House of Dragon yet, which I kind of want to, but I want to wait till I get some of these other ones. And what's the, other, oh, the, the, the Lord of the Rings one? Rings of Power, I haven't watched yet either because I want to get through some other stuff first. Uh, I'm probably so. not going to watch that. I don't care. I don't. Go I'll on. check it out. I've heard I've heard mixed things. Some people say it's really awesome. Some people say it's boring. So we'll see. I'll I'll watch it and, and form my own opinion eventually. No, John, take your opinions from everyone else. Yes, that's what the internet is for, to tell me what to think about everything. Yep, that's what I'm here for. It's it's sad, but that's what a lot of people think the internet is there for. I don't need to think. I have the internet. And you have me. Yes. Exactly. Well, hey, welcome aboard. Uh, housekeeping. We still have Facebook and Twitter. You still review us on things. Let's move on so we can get to the hate fest. Yeah, baby. I take it back. There's only one thing of the three things I'm going to discuss today that I hate, but I hate it with such a heartfelt passion that, oh, man. I could bring up Teaser, another thing everybody. I hate. Oh, man, so much hate. Hate, oh, just drizzle it on pancakes like syrup. I bought some syrup today. Yeah? What kind? Actual, like, fresh syrup. We went to, we went to VegFest up in St. Paul, you know, which is all sorts of vegetarian and vegan stuff, which, you know, I don't know why I was there because, you know, Mr. Carnivore here who works at Hormel, which is probably, like, VegFest's, like, number one enemy. Um, but there was a booth there that had some good, yummy maple syrup, you know, like actual maple syrup, not sugar water like Mrs. Butterworth or any of that other crap or Hungry Jack syrup. Good, natural, pure maple syrup because it's damn good. It's expensive, but it's worth it, everybody. That's your pseudo-recommendation for today. Quit pouring that sugar sugar water crap on your pancakes. Get some good, pure maple syrup. But it's, in the defense of people who pour the sugar water on their pancakes, $10 a bottle for maple syrup is pretty high, though. Like I said, it's not cheap. But it's worth it. And there's nothing like, I'm not going to get all like, you know, this isn't like the creamy peanut butter, crunchy peanut butter thing. If you use the sugar water stuff, I mean, you know, whatever. But just know there's something better out there. You know, the sugar water stuff is fine if if that's what you got. But, you know, treat yourself. Get some good pure maple syrup. You won't regret it. I mean, and if, and if you're eating that many pancakes and waffles and French toast that you're burning through that much French, that much syrup, then, you know, maybe the cost of the syrup isn't the problem. Well, maybe you got to consider, what if I have a larger family, John, and they all use the syrup? 
I mean, I also have kids, but the kids can eat sugar water because they're kids. Screw them. They have no taste anyway. Well, they, you heard it here, folks. Call Child Protective Agency because we got a hypocrite here feeding his kids sugar water. That's right. Sugar water and bat-flavored spam. Mm, good for you. Hey, uh, let's move into recommendations where we talk about the things that we like or want you to like. So we receive no financial compensation from anything we recommend. Although if there's uh, companies yeah. that would want to help corrupt us, we're not against that. I mean, yes. Like, I mean, one of the podcasts I listen to, one of their catchphrases they have is, you know, when they recommend stuff is not a sponsor, but could be. So, you know, if anybody wants to come sponsor us to throw money at us for talking about their stuff, we will totally shill your product. We will sell out in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, my recommendation, I'll go first. This is an odd recommendation because sometimes there's things that I think we take for granted when we, you know, use everyday things. Let me ask this, John. How do you shave? I go with Dollar Shave Club because they're decent. And I, I was one of those people that several years ago got incredibly sick of playing like $12, $13 for crappy razors. So I went with Dollar Shave Club. All right. How often do you shave? I'm lazy, so, you know, I don't know, maybe two, three times a week, depending on, you know, how bad the stubble gets. I'm, I'm probably due to shave tomorrow. I'm about three to four times a week or so. I wouldn't consider myself lazy. I think part of it is is that working more in an office setting like I do, I feel it's much more necessary to look like I am trying to probably take care of myself and maintain a illusion that's nowhere near the reality of the situation. So I, I've used razors before, and there's one thing that I've had for almost eight, nine years that I finally replaced, and I was happy with it because I would use a razor maybe once every two weeks, kind of just to get that true full clean shave. But when I went on the shave, time for me is much more precious than going through the ritual necessary to shave. So for like eight, nine years, I had a bronze Series 7 you know, electric razor I would use. And I've used different electric razors before that. I've used Phillips and I've used a few others, but I've always been happy with that. And I bought a new Braun Series 7 shaver. And again, it, you take it for granted. It's like, you know what? I really like the effectiveness and ease and use of the actual electric razor itself. You have to maybe replace like the foil blades like once every six months to a year or so, which maybe adds up to the cost of what you've spent on you know razors in the first place. But, you know, if you have a good electric razor, it really makes it that much worthwhile just to be able to do nice, quick, clean touch-ups and stuff. So I'm going to recommend the Bronze Series 7 razors. And they have, like, different series. Like, there's one step above the Series 9 and everything. But, uh, yeah, razor. It's a weird recommendation. But I uh, I was just thinking about the other day how I really rely on the razor. And I don't give it enough things. Thanks, razor. Hey, sometimes we can be practical we, Practical here. We don't just have to recommend nerdy shows and comic books and whatever food. the hell, movies. Yeah, food. We can be practical. Get a nice razor, everybody. Treat yourself. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, my recommendation is going to be Hungry Jack Syrup. It's good stuff, everybody. Quality <laughs> ingredients. You can put it in the microwave with a little label on the side that will tell you when it's too hot. Don't let that get too hot, folks. You'll burn your mouth. Um, no, actually, I am going to recommend a TV show. I think I mentioned it a few weeks ago, which has probably been a few months ago by now because, you know, 
life, like we talk about sometimes on the show. Um, I finished up watching The Bear, which is on FX. Um, you've probably all heard about it because it was the hot thing to talk about. I don't know, whenever the hell it was it came out. I want to say it was like May, maybe June, something like that. Um, so this is coming from a person who has kind of lived the life. I wasn't like a full-blown chef. In fact, chef is one of those things I've always kind of cringed when people call me chef, but I just kind of got used to it. Um, I consider myself a cook, but, you know... I've had discussions with that with several people and debates about that. So that's for another time, maybe. Um, but it is a very realistic show about restaurants and kitchen life and all that fun stuff, just like you have probably heard. So take it from me. Um, if you're wondering what life in a kitchen is like, this is pretty good. Um, some of the things that I, that I took more from it, I was like, you know, like the first episode, he keeps looking up the clock. And that's definitely something I do where... You look at the clock like, oh, I've got two hours to lunch. I need to make sure I get this in the oven at this time. I need to get this ready at this. You know, you kind of work backwards from what you've got and what you have to do and and time things out from there. You know, the second to the last episode, um, I don't know at what point it starts, but at one point it, I realized, like, it was basically one long continuous shot, and it's basically just the shit hitting the fan in the kitchen. And that definitely got me some PTSD, you know, going there. Um Granted, I've never seen or gotten stabbed in the ass myself, which is one thing that happens there, but like everything else there, basically just tickets going crazy, just not being prepared, just getting your ass kicked, just that whole thing. Just like if you were watching that and had some anxiety, like, yes, that is that is life in the kitchen right there in a nutshell with, you know, in the last 10, 15 minutes of that episode. Um, so it's very well done. I'm th- not sure if they've gotten announced for its second season or not. I think everybody kind of assumed it was happening, but I'm not sure if it's actually gotten officially announced or not yet. But uh, if you have not watched The Bear yet, it is, it's good stuff, well worth watching, so check it out. Watch Bears. Yes, also watch Bears. Bears are also very cool. Bears are awesome. Big fan of Bears. Roar Bears. Yes, until they tear your face off. Yep, as bears are known to do. Number one uh, things that bears do when they find you is tear your face off. Indeed. All right, let's move into our arbitrary list. The topic of this week's arbitrary list is the top three things that we or possessions or items from our childhood that we miss now as adults. It could be gone for a variety of different reasons itself. Uh, part of it is is that, you know, my kids are getting older and you go through that whole decluttering phase where like, oh man, all right, they don't play with this anymore. But I also have this weird subconsciousness that just because my kids don't play with it anymore doesn't mean it doesn't have value to them. And that's because my parents used to get rid of some of my stuff when I was younger without checking with me first. Sons of bitches. Yeah. No, actually, my grandparents are pretty cool. It's my parents that were stupid, 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 stupid. You're a son of a bitch. I am one. Thank you. Yes. You were very astute. So to start off, I'll go first. My parents saved some of my Star Wars figures. They got rid of like in garage sales, like all of the other stuff that I used to have, like all the big vehicles and play sets and stuff. We're talking like all the 80s stuff, like Ewok Village and the Millennium Falcon and Snow Speeders and TIE Fighters and X-Wing Fighters. Oh, those were all the awesomest toys in the world. And then they were gone one day. And it's like, oh, you didn't play with them anymore. I didn't mean I didn't want them anymore. So I still have maybe about a couple dozen Star Wars figures and everything from like when I was a kid. But I used to have so much more. 
and it drives me nuts knowing that I don't have that anymore. Sure, I still got a Boba Fett, you know, from back then. That's pretty cool. But I don't have my Admiral Akbar anymore. I don't know where the hell Admiral Akbar went. That makes me sad. And I have a stupid Emperor who was like a Malin figure, too. Nope. I don't like that figure. Screw that figure. So, uh, a lot of my Star Wars collection from when I was young. Yeah, I will say I'm lucky in that I still have all of my, or at least most, if not all of my Star Wars stuff um, out in the garage. I got rid of a lot of my Star Wars stuff, like the newer Star Wars stuff I took to a store and sold the other day, but I still have all my vintage stuff. And somehow I was lucky enough to, like, like my family was certainly not well off growing up, you know, far from. But somehow I still managed to get, like, they, you know, I don't know if mom waited for the sales or if she picked them up at garage sales or what happened, but, like, I've got the Millennium Falcon, I've got the Adat, I've got the Rancor, I've got the Ewok Village. You know, my sister had Slave One. I mean, it was, yeah, those were those, those were the toys. Like, if you would ask any of us kids, like, that was the one toy that all of us played with. We, we colored their feet so we knew whose was what, and we would trade them, and sometimes, you know, the orange would get colored over with purple, so it turned just more of this weird black, but, uh, but yeah, I could go on, but, yes, good stuff. Um, I will say, kind of in that same vein, because I was kind of struggling with a third thing, um, the toy that I've got, or had, that I don't longer have any of, was been my would be my Transformers. I don't know what happened to them. I must have gotten rid of them at some point because my parents weren't the type to get rid of stuff without, you know, they kind of just let us keep stuff until, you know, I don't know, whatever, until they crumbled into dust, apparently. Um, but somewhere along my life, like, I got rid of all my Transformers, and I had a fair amount of them. I didn't have, unlike with my Star Wars stuff, like, I didn't have Optimus Prime, I didn't have Shockwave or Megatron, but I did have a fair amount of the Predacons, and I can't remember who else, but uh, I did have, well, what the hell was his name? Not Jetfire. I don't know. I had some. I had some cool ones, but not like the the great big cool cool ones. I didn't have the city guy whose name I forget. Metroplex. There we go. Um, but I had a fair amount. There were ones I played with fairly often. I've bought some of the newer ones and like given them to my son as like Christmas presents. But he's just like, yeah, Dad, I I don't like Transformers. I'm just like, ah. Oh, it to be it. fair, to all he has is, as an influence is the Michael Bay movies. So I would understand not liking Transformers either. Yeah, and I mean so. So, I mean, I'm kind of bummed to have them because it'd be something that'd be cool to just pull out and just, you know, see if you can remember still how to transform them because some of those things would actually get a little bit complex. I mean, not too crazy. Oh, the Dinobots were one I had. I had, like, three of them. Um, yeah, good old Transformers. They'd be nice to look at and pull out every now and then, maybe put up on a shelf in my geek room somewhere. But, no, they're gone. I, I'm going to also throw my Transformers in there as well, and I know where they went. My mom took them to the Goodwill. And, again, I did not know she took them to the Goodwill until she had already done it. And again, it's like, well, Mike, you're becoming a teenager. What do you want these Transformers for? I'm like, well, not to throw them away. And I think that was the difference between my mom and me is that I had a, definitely have a lot more sentimentality towards, I think, some of the things I had as a kid. I think it was more appreciative of some of the things I had as a kid. And, you know, they were, they were just gone. You're right. I had, I had a whole bunch of awesome Transformers, and they were all there until they, they weren't. They're yeah. gone, and I, I miss them now, and I don't know. If I had to get back, like, any Transformer, like, if there's any Transformer I wish I could get back from when I was a kid, oh, what would it be? Honestly? Would... Go for it. I never had it, but I always wanted a Soundwave. Yeah, Soundwave's another one I don't have. I think, I want to say Tim, If you, I'm sure you remember Tim. I think he had one when we were growing up. Somebody did in my, my circle of friends. It was Tim. I think for me it would be either I can't think of his name, but the the line of the Predacons or or 
what's his name? Grimlock of the Dinobots. Would be oh, one I had those Grimlock two, too. That's right. I had like Grimlock and I had like uh, Slag and. I had Grimlock Swoop, and I can't remember. I think I had a third one, but I can't remember who the third one I had was. I want to say that you had Snarl. That could be. Was he the... He was the Stegosaurus. Snarl, Slag, and, and the other one all kind of meld together to right. me for into one. The Triceratops, Stegosaurus, and Brontosaurus. Yep. But yeah, Transformers, good stuff. See, that's the thing is, like, I, with this list, like, toys for me, I still, like, Legos was another big one for me growing up, but, like, I still have all my Legos in great big bins, so... You know, I'm I'm fortunate in that way that most of my toys I still have. My uh, my last thing that I don't have. Do you remember what the first Nintendo game you owned? And that disqualifies uh, the you know pack in Mario Brother Duck Hunt that came with your Nintendo. You get a Nintendo till later. I don't know what our first game was. I'm sure, like, if one of my sisters would be like, "Oh, it was this," I'd probably recall, but I don't. I don't remember what our first one was. First game I ever owned, like, I got my Nintendo like for a Christmas, and yeah, we play the hell out of Mario and Duck Hunt, but we mostly just rented games. We rented a whole ton of games. Really didn't buy much until we finally got a game like my following year for my birthday, which was Dragon Warrior. I love Dragon War. It was like an actual good old school art Japanese role-playing game itself. Honestly, it was my enjoyment of Dragon Warrior, which then helped predicate when Final Fantasy came out, my massive love for that. I believe that was the third game I owned, because I think the game that I got after Dragon Warrior was Blades of Steel. Yeah. And I never knew what happened in that game. I never did. It was just gone from my collection, I don't know if it was something my brother did. I don't know if like my it got tossed away or something. And Goodwill. for a nostalgia, yeah, <laughs> Goodwill's like that guy, Mike Spriegel, his parents brought more things for us. Awesome, but yeah, I I was often thought like you know that that'd be an awesome game. I almost like want to have my like son, oldest son, now try to play that. Like I almost just want him to play like Final Fantasy without using a strategy guide too. Just like pure. See what we went through when you were age. If you didn't have the Nintendo Power Strategy Guide, you were pretty screwed. And, uh, yeah. but yeah, for some reason, I often sit there and wonder what happened in that game. And I still have like a whole bunch of Nintendo games, and it'd just be cool to still have that one. So I miss you, Dragon Warrior. Yeah. My number two, since we're kind of on, we're following similar. That was your third, wasn't it? It was because Transformers okay, so yep. were also stolen. That's right. So I've got I've got two more left. My, mine also kind of it's not the NES because while that was certainly a treasured childhood thing, um, mine was we had before we got our NES we had a Texas Instrument which was kind of an old school kind of a PC but kind of not. It also had cartridges you could put in there. Um, the games were certainly not anywhere near as cool as like Nintendo games or anything, but they have a certain nostalgia that I'd, I'd kind of like to put them in at least play them for the five minutes before I realize that yeah this game isn't as good. It's it's more just nostalgia, but there were games like called one was called Attack, where you kind of ran around, you were in a ship, and you blew up these red aliens, and then they'd turn into smaller aliens, you'd blow them up. Um, Hunt the Wumpus, all sorts of different. Adventure was another one. There was even a couple like uh, text-based RPG type things that there were. Um, it was just a lot of cool old-school type games that I don't even know. I'm sure you could probably find them on the on the internet somewhere. 
and maybe play them, but that's one thing that would be kind of fun to go back and, and check it out. And, and sadly, I'm sure, like, my parents, no, my parents probably don't have it because they purged a lot of stuff when they moved into their, their newer place a couple of years ago, but my sister might have it or something. So, um, but that'd be one that'd be fun to go back to is play some of those old Texas instrument games. Fun fact. I also had a Texas instrument system, but it was different. It, the way to play games wasn't cartridges. There was a tape recorder you had to plug into it. And basically it had the code on the tape that played into the actual like keyboard slash computer. And that's how the games loaded. Yeah. I think we had a couple of those games, but most of them were the most of them were cartridge. But I seem to remember, yeah, there was another. There were a few we had that were like tapes or something like that that had some weird, random way of getting them to play witchcraft. Yes, exactly. Um, my last one is a little bit more specific than just being a whole group of things. Um, and I technically have these now. That is, but it's not these exact ones. I would kind of wish I still had the first two. The first two comics I remember getting when I was a kid are. Star Wars number 76, and I believe it was Hawkeye number two, maybe three of the original Hawkeye miniseries are the two that I kind of remember being the first comics I had. And I kind of wish I had just the original ones, because like I said, I've got these now in my collection, but they're ones I've bought again. You know, the originals probably just disintegrated or something, but I kind of wish I had the originals because it'd be nice to be able to, with comics grading being a thing you can do, like send them in and get them graded just to kind of preserve them, you know, not because I think they would ever be worth anything, because they'd probably be like, you know, a three out of 10 or something like that, or 2.5. Like that wouldn't be to value them at all, more just to preserve them as like, hey, these are the things that started me down this road of comic books. And, you know, the, as something that, you know, as a kid that got me reading and got me into this this thing that I'm still doing, you know. 35 40 years later whenever it was i started doing it but uh but that's something i would like to have just to kind of to have not for any monetary value because even if i did have those in good condition they still wouldn't be really worth anything so i think one comic i used to remember and i'm going to show you a picture on our video chat here oh man i do you remember that comic i still have that i have that one the oversized empire strikes back one yep the big giant yeah i think it's like a treasury edition i think it's called yep um I think that's actually worth a little, like, if you have it in good condition, which mine is certainly not, because that's, like, one that I have, like, in, you know, from the original. I think it's fairly beat up, but I think that's technically got, like, the first appearance of Boba Fett in a comic or something like that. Um, But, yeah, that one. um, The other comic I kind of fondly remember, which you you might remember, because there was an issue of Transformers. I forget which one, but I remember sitting in school... And at the it, at one point in the comic, would have like this double page spread of like all these different Autobots, and in the back of the comic, like in the letters page, it had like a smaller version of it, and it had all these Transformers like numbered like one through I don't know whatever it was like forty five or fifty. I don't, there were a whole bunch of them, and it had this thing where like if you could name them all, you wrote them all down. Like one is Optimus Prime, two is this guy, three is this guy. And you sent it, and you could win something. I remember me and you pouring over this thing, be like, okay, that's Grimlock there. That's Ironhide there. That's Ratchet. That's, you know, like we went through this whole thing and we sent it in. And I think all I got was like, we didn't win anything big. I think I got like a discount, like a half off on subscriptions or something, which I got at West Coast Avengers and Solo Avengers, which eventually became Avengers Spotlight. But like we didn't win anything. But I remember sitting in class or after school or something like that, pouring over this picture and like trying to figure out who all these different Transformers were and sending them in. No, I'm just typing it up right now. Trying to find it? Yep. Transformer comic. 
two. Yeah, that's why I would go back and like now I could probably name like two Transformers in that picture if we were to find it now. Because, yeah, I'm old and I don't remember stuff like that anymore. But back then, I think we I, I think we did fairly good. There were probably a few we didn't remember, but um, but yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah, I can't find it. That's too much effort. I want to say yeah. I'll have to look into it and see if I can find a way to put it up on Facebook or something. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, moving into this episode, arbitrary episode, we talk about random things. I have three things in the docket I want to talk about. So the first is this. So I lost August. And what I mean by lost August is that there were so many things I had going on in August that, honestly, I it, the month went by just like this. I mean, my daughter, she signed up to try to become a Woodbury ambassador. So, like, you know, when you see parades and, like, oh, Miss Woodbury, little things like that. My daughter tried doing that. She didn't get it and everything. But that ate up so much time. Made me also realize just how weirdly odd and seedy the entire kind of world of that is. What they call, like, they even have a term for it called, like, the sparkle world, which is fucking weird as hell. Yeah, that's weird in and of itself. Right. But that that right there ate up a lot of time. But I took a vacation, and my wife's parents treated us and all of the siblings and you know their kids and their grandkids, and we went to Wisconsin Dells. We spent a week in Wisconsin Dells, and we stayed at the Kalahari Resort, which is a, like one of the resorts of the Sands Corporation, which, if you know Las Vegas, Sands Hotels and stuff. And we rented a giant, like, condo, and there was 15 of us inside this condo, John. 15 people. Yeah. That's uh, eight adults and seven kids. Now, yeah. John, you've been to... Wisconsin Dells, right? I have. I think I told you what was it? Basically, Water Las, Las Vegas. Vegas. Yeah, Water Las Vegas for families or something like that. Pretty much Water Las Vegas. And I'm not saying it was a bad vacation. It was a well enough vacation. The resort we went to had all these like both indoor and outdoor water parks and like this giant indoor arcade slash outdoor arcade kind of thing. And but really, two things about this vacation. One, the resort we stayed at, it's one of those resorts that you'd like to think was really nice. But I think part of it is is that so many people come through and treat places like that like garbage. Like, it's same thing like when you go to Vegas. Like, if you go to Vegas, unless you're going to one of the top-tier hotels sometimes, unless you're going to, like, the Venetian or if you're going to the Wynn or some of those – you can tell that basically like the cleaning staff or like the people that work there just do not care because they realize everybody's treating the place like a dumpster pretty much. And there's just so much garbage and crap or just things in states of disrepair that are all over the place. Like it was awesome because like in our condo, we had like this pool table in this whole open bar area and like on the lower floor, which is awesome. And so you realize like they had like three overhead hanging lights and one of the lights, it wasn't the light that was broken. The socket was broken. So you had to basically, there's two lights. I'm like, oh, one of the lights is out. Maybe it just needs a light bulb until you look under. And like, oh, no, no, the socket was broken. How does a socket get broken? And 
I don't know. I I think I think the thing I hate about vacations like this is because of the fact that everybody when you go to like vacations like this, everybody that's also there, I would say 85% of the people there are very self-centered and there's just no awareness of anybody else around. Nobody cares about anything else. Everybody is absorbed in their own self world. And I think that's why I sometimes hate vacations is because when you go to those touristy places, like people are like stand stopping and having conversations in like high traffic areas. You have people that have no regards or like rules or stuff and like just do whatever they want because what are they going to do about it? I paid for it. What are your thoughts on vacation resorts like that? I think I mean, and I haven't gone on one where it's been that many people. I mean, we're not far off. I mean, when we when we get together fairly often with my wife's brother and his family, and there's you know the four of us plus my wife's mom plus her brother's family is another five there. So I mean, that's ten people. So you know, five people shy of yours, but you know, I definitely get. I think it's. You get you get a you get the self centeredness like which I can definitely see is you get some people who are like I'm going to do this on my vacation I don't care what happened you know like screw it I'm on vacation I don't care what about these kids or whatever you know to an extent and I think that and I think it just you it, you have to worry so much about like the kids at some point you know like it's okay we have to feed the kids what are the kids doing you end up almost kid wrangling as much as you would anything else just because. You know, not necessarily because they need to be, but because you're in this weird place, you're not at home, you need, you know, you can't just let them run around and be crazy. It's just, it's, it's a vacation, but it's not like a relaxing vacation. It's something that's kind of a different beast. Like you're not working, but you're also not really relaxing and taking it easy. Like you get back to work, you don't really feel like you took an actual vacation, even though you technically did. It's, it's kind of a weird thing, you know, like family vacations. Oh, I absolutely agree. I, I think when you do vacations like that, I think when you get to a certain point, as much as you want to say, oh, it's about making memories and stuff, it's no longer about your happiness as a parent a lot of the times because it's all about trying to do what you can to make the kids happy. And I think part of that is is that when you go to some vacations like this, I think what frustrates me the most is when I go on a vacation, and I think there's parents that just let their kids run roughshod. It's like the parents like, oh, well, I want to enjoy myself. And then them doing so, they're letting like their horrible, dumb kids go out and do whatever they want unsupervised. They're sitting there just being like douchebags to other kids. And I get it. They're kids. But you can also tell like which kids like have parents that basically have done nothing to instill like any sort of values into them in the first place. You know, those like little just pieces of garbage and everything. So, you know, that's I think that's where I'm frustrated, like, too, when I go on vacations, when you see kids clearly just doing whatever the hell they want. And there's no parent anywhere. There's no accountability, I think. And I think that's the other reason I hate that, because it's like I want to yell at that kid, but it's not going to do anything because what they're just going to sit there like, you know, my parents, which you're right. Matter of fact, I don't even think your parents are your parents, but yeah, I almost feel like vacations almost kind of exemplify the whole, you know, like the apple not falling far from the tree type of thing. Like if your parents, you know, if you're the type of parent who just doesn't care what your kid does and just 
doesn't give a shit, you know, like I'm the most important thing in the world and your kids going to be the same way. And when they're on vacation, that's going to come out just like tenfold. They're going to be running around, like not caring who they're running into. They're going to treat the staff like crap. They're going to just be loud and obnoxious and not caring since their parents are obviously the same way. They're just going to be like, Oh, whatever. They're on vacation. I don't care. Like let, you know, they're not going to care that they're affecting other people's vacation or the good time or the staff that have to take care of their poor damn kids. And it just, yeah, it ends up being a mess. Like sometimes like those, like we did the cruise last year, earlier this year, actually. And I was kind of leery just because I'd never done a cruise before. And it was kind of one of those things where those situations can pretty easily happen. Like on cruises or like resorts, like you said. So it's, you know, we ended up getting lucky because, you know, we, you know, not to like toot our own horn, but we tend to keep our kids under control fairly well. And our kids are pretty well behaved. So they were fine. And, you know, the kids that we came across on the cruise itself were, we're not bad, so we got lucky there. But, I mean, I could definitely – the Dells, I feel, especially is kind of one of those places where, like, people like that, it's almost like a magnet, too, like where it's like, oh, let's just go to the water park and let the kids run around or let's go to play mini golf and I'm going to sit here and have some beer while the kids play mini golf and not pay attention to them for the next two hours while they're doing that or whatever it happens to be. You know, like the Dells in particular seems like the type of place where parents just let their kids just run roughshod because it's – just a magnet for those type of people for some reason. On an off question note here. So you went on a cruise and I went on one like years ago too. How fast did you become bored with the cruise? Not too bad because we like the people we went with were fair, you know, we're fairly good with. Um, I think we only had like how many ports, like how long was your cruise for? Seven days. Yeah. Which ours was, ours was the same. And we had, how many ports did you have? Two or three. I think three. Yes, I didn't get had... off on the second one, though, because I was sick by the end of the vacation. Yeah, and we had four, so we were more, and two of those days were like one was the day going back and one was the day going out. So I feel like we had enough ports that it kind of broke up. Like if we had more days at sea, like just hanging out on the boat, I think it would have gotten a lot worse. Um, I would do a cruise again, but it's not something like I'm like, chomping at the bit to do either and i'm and not in the same area like if i do another cruise i kind of want to do one like up in alaska or something as opposed to like down to mexico or the caribbean or something like that you know i'd rather have like a different setting for it um but i mean it was fine but again i wouldn't have wanted to spend you know mass amounts of time on the boat itself i i think about like the problem with some of the ports too is that it feels so super touristy too that it's like yeah uh... It's like for us going to the Mall of America and you see kiosks that try to emulate certain things. Like, oh, look, it's authentic. Like, mm, is it? Yeah, I think the best parts of the ports we went to were when we did kind of the non-touristy stuff. Like, we went, we went kind of out of our way. Well, not necessarily out of our way, but we did some investigating. Like, when we went to one of them, like, okay, where's... We want seafood because it was definitely a seafood port. Like, we went through and there was a seafood market. We're like, okay, let's find the place that has these good reviews. And we found, like, we got in there. And one of the one of the friends we went with, she was like, "Okay, you can tell this place to be good because we're the only white people in here, and it's you know, like these, these are all local people. Like these aren't the people that you know; these aren't the tourists. Like there's no nobody from the boat is in here, so you could tell that this was a good place. And it was. It was freaking amazing food. It was a good time. It was the staff was great. Um, so yeah, I feel like, but I feel like you've got to work for that stuff because the stuff that definitely when you get off the boat, it's like come and do this boat tour, come on this tour of this, come and do the, it gets, you know, they smack you right away. So you almost got to shoo them away and try and find some other stuff. But there's that fine line between finding stuff that's okay to do and stuff that's going to take you into the weird seedy parts of town where you're going to get, you know, mugged and murdered. Yeah. So that ate up a week of my life. And 
when we got back, uh, one thing that was kind of fun. Now, this, this you know, is something that I consider definitely fairly interesting, is that my son went to what was called Adventures in Cardboard Camp. Yes, and I, I, I saw, like, some pictures online, and I remember seeing this. A few years ago, we ran into these people somewhere. We went, there's this mini golf place over in St. Paul called Can Can Wonderland. They had a thing set up there. They had a flyers for there. I assume it was the same people, at least. We make like swords out of cardboard and whatever. But anyway, but I digress. It, it's pretty awesome, actually. I sit there and think, man, that is the kind of shit that I wish I had when I was a kid. I'm like, I'm watching all these kids doing that. Like, I want to fucking do that. And then I realize, oh, there's LARPing. But then I realize, oh, but it's with a bunch of adults. And I don't want to do it with a bunch of adults because. I hate adults and kids. They're much more pure inside. But yeah, it was down at this park. They had an entire like fortress built out of cardboard and wood. And they basically a week long camp. They had an economy system where like kids could you know, like do certain things to earn like tokens and stuff that they could use to purchase more cardboard to upgrade their weapons and their shields and stuff. And they had these massive battles and attacks and. Honestly, I sat there and thought, man, that that's actually really fun. And you saw the people that were doing it had a great amount of fun and passion for it, too. I'm like, yeah. The, like, I, I compare it in contrast to, like, the Wisconsin Dells. I think, like, Wisconsin Dells, that's, like, the worst of humanity I just saw there. But then I see this, and, like, this is awesome. This is here where here's a whole bunch of people that are like, hey, what if we just built a whole cardboard world and got a bunch of kids involved? And they ran with it. And it's amazing. So, yeah, my, my son did that. And my daughter was like, I want to do that next year. And my son's like, yeah, I want to go back and do that too. And it's like, yeah, it's cool. It's like, think about when we were younger. We didn't have anything like that at all. No, camp was back when we were younger was basically just stereotypical, like what you think of when it's camp. But you go, you build a fire, you maybe learn how to do some, you know, like, I don't know, like, build a fort out in the woods or something like that. Maybe you do some. Oh no. John froze again. John's horrible internet. Well, anyhow, he's talking about bad camps. There's, you know, there's this one that's just, it's, you know, it's crazy. Did I cut out there again? Oh yeah, you did. You cut out a bitch. God damn it. Uh, You're talking about me. I'm a son of a bitch. Accurate. So where did I cut out? Where'd you lose me? Yeah, I don't know. Probably a lot of it. Yeah, I mean, basically, like I was saying, like, camp in our days was very stereotypical. You know, you built campfires, you roasted marshmallows, you went on canoe trips or whatever like that. You maybe built a fort out in the forest. You know, pretty much what you saw in the movies was what you got for the most part in our days. You know, there wasn't anything fun and creative. It was very much, you know, hey, it's a forest, and instead of, like, you know, let's be creative and let's build stuff and let's, you know, whereas I feel like now there's, if you really look into it, I'm sure there's all sorts of stuff that, you know, whatever your kid's into, there's, you know, there's probably a cooking camp. There's, you know, there's this camp. There's, you know, there's probably, like, a music-based one. I'm sure that, you know, band camp. Well, hell, American Pie showed us that there was band camp. So, um, so yeah, I think it was the, the landscape is different for that sort of thing, and that's one one of the deals where our kids definitely prosper over us from when we were their age. Yeah, I I think part of that, like, it, it's a contrast of three worlds here when I look at my August because my daughter doing all this stuff with, uh, like, the whole, it's not, they say it's not pageantry, but 
it kind of is, but like we had like a local festival called, you know, Woodbury Days, and that's where like, you know, oh, all things that's name a city. So if you want to dox me or anything, have fun with that or try to steal my identity. Good luck. My identity's not worth anything right now. I mean, I don't know what you're going to do with Likewise. that. Likewise. But uh, my daughter for like a month was like going to all these different events and she had to do interviews with like, you know, judges and stuff. And she went to all these other parades and it's just weird. Like the whole mentality they have is like, we're building future leaders. Like, are you though? It's like, we're giving skills. Like, are you though? Because there was like future narcissists. Well, and part of it too is like my daughter's age group. There was like about probably 14, 10, 14 people trying to like compete for this. And there's only three spots. And you could tell like who was there because their parents were trying to probably vicariously live through their kids. And the kids didn't have any heart, idea, or passion. Because a lot of it is how adept you are at like speaking publicly and stuff. And a lot of these kids, uh uh-uh. uh. I've, I've held better conversations with coma victims but i'm not trying to also say this about kids but again you can see where like some parents it's that whole thing like you can do anything you want if you put your mind to it yeah but sometimes certain people just don't have the skill sets and can't pull that off but you're like watching this and like they all run in like the same social circles and like at the coronation event where they had like all these other like groups like all these other like you know from other cities and i I don't know. It was the most surreal thing possible because I have never seen something that has looked as superficial as that. Part of me feels relieved my daughter didn't get chosen, if only just for the fact that I don't know how long I could spend near that type of thing right there without promise. bastard. But on the other hand, for my daughter's feelings and sake and everything, I, f- I feel honestly she probably should have gotten taken and the people they didn't. Again, I it, it's weird because it's almost like trying to teach kids how to work like internal politics at the ages of like 10 years old almost. Like, yeah, I want to know it's probably better that she didn't win just because I feel like it kind of puts that out there like, you know, yes, try, but you might not win, but you can still, you know, like, try again next year you know like you know like if she does it next year you know she'd be like okay i didn't win last year but i can win this year it, it instead of you know like her winning the first year she went out for something it kind of might put that you know like you know i'm gonna win everything you know because you get some of those kids where they don't win something and they just melt down immediately and just go into just nuclear meltdown mode where they just freak out and can't handle it because they're used to just everything getting handed to them on a silver platter whereas i think you know maybe with her not winning it this year It'll kind of, you know, it's a little bit humbling and she'll be like, okay, I didn't win. And if she decides she liked the experience enough and still wants to do it next year, she can, you know, it'll kind of maybe make it that much better if she does win it next year. Like, you know, yeah, this year I actually did it. I I think part of it too is I think my daughter, the reason I think something like that wouldn't work is I think the other thing that would help you need to kind of succeed in this type of area or field is you almost have to, what's the best way to put it? You almost have to be mold moldable and vacant and what i mean by that is that you always have to say the right things i like when i hear everybody talking you don't see a lot of remnants of like personality you see a lot of polish where it's like this is how you sound this is how you sound safe in these situations this is how you respond to this 
and that's that's not my daughter. My daughter is definitely a much more vocal and opinionated person, which can work against her. And you know what, though? She's young. You know, as she gets older, hopefully she learns how to throw down some filters, and that'll help her in later avenues in life and everything. But it's almost like, hey, who could we just turn into? I, I don't even want to say the perfect puppet, but like somebody that basically, you know, just falls into like particular mold. And as long as they're willing to stay in this lane, they can do that. It was just yeah. weird. And I think to speak to that a little bit, like I think maybe that'll be, you know, because I don't like, you know, you and Jenna, you're not going to be the type like, you know, okay. If you want to win this, this is what you need to say. You need to use these words. You need to use this tone. You need to look at them like this. Like, you know, you'll let her kind of figure out what works for her. And I think that might, you know, if she does decide to keep pursuing this and ends up winning, like that'll hopefully be what wins it for is because she didn't, not because she sounded exactly this cookie cutter, you know, like I, you know, I read all these handbooks and I read all this stuff online about what you need to do to win these contests. You know, instead she, you know, Maybe after trying this year and maybe, you know, maybe next year, maybe she tries next year and doesn't win next year either, but she kind of learns along the way, like, you know, okay, I can still be myself, but I need to, you know, like you said, you know, learn to maybe, you know, filter myself this way or say things a little bit differently or, you know, carry myself a little bit differently and, you know, learn how to maneuver that, you know, like still be yourself, but still be what they're looking for. I think part of it is this, like my daughter wanted to try doing this and, we weren't sure about it and like, well, fine, we'll, we'll let you try. My daughter's also in Girl Scouts and I feel that Girl Scouts definitely does a much better job of trying to teach, I think, leadership skills and values and independence and planning. When I see like what you do in Girl Scouts and I see something in this right here, it's a no contest. Like I all respect Girl Scouts because of at least what they do in that sense and how they, you know, do things there. But seeing that, it's like, mm-mm. So that ate up so much of my month because there was like two to three events or all these little things they had to do. And as parents, even though it's pretty much the expectations, we don't tell you have to volunteer, but you have to volunteer. And that just killed out a lot of time. My son was gone for a week. He went to a Boy Scout camp for a week, and then we had a vacation. So really, my August, I just, I did not enjoy. I really had no time for myself. And kind of realized, like, I really have not done much with my friends over the past two months or so because I've just been so tied up and wrapped up my own kids' lives. Although, so today, did something with the family. We went to the Renaissance Festival. Nice. Yeah. So the Renaissance Festival, my daughter was like, oh, this is all awesome. And my kids all liked and enjoyed it. And when's the last time you've gone to a Renaissance Festival, John? Well, we went, we took the kids once as well, but it was like probably five, maybe six years ago, I want to say something so, like that's been a bit too young, really, to make an impact. Yeah, like I'm sure they enjoyed themselves, but it's not something they remember a whole lot, I'm sure. I, I would say this is that, uh, being there last time we took our kids, they were like about, I don't know, two years old or one year old and three years old, and they were young. and when we went today, it's it's an interesting place. I think the one thing I would say about the Renaissance Festival is this. It's amazing, but not because of the place, but probably because of the people. You can tell which people volunteer because they get true enjoyment out of it. And you see everybody dressed up in various different ways that you know help embody it. I didn't dress up, and that's just because I didn't have anything to dress up with, but it... 
it was one of those things like, yeah, you know what? If it's something I had more thought into, yeah, maybe I would have gotten more into it and everything. But then I look around the whole festival and it's a lot of like, there's like, as an example, when I see like four different shops that are all the same shops and same things they're selling. And I kind of, you kind of look around, you kind of see the patterns there where, yes, there's some nice like retailers there that, you know, sell very unique things like actual swords and leather and all this other stuff. My daughter bought some things. You know, we went and saw some things. We saw like a couple comedy shows. We saw some fire acrobats and those were all really awesome things. The jousting was actually pretty lame though. I mean, the jousting... Yeah. I think I watched that once. It's not. It's not all it's cracked up to be. No, no, that was pretty bad. I mean, we enjoyed. I think we mostly enjoyed ourselves. I think the thing that worked against us today is because my youngest son is only five years old. You could tell as the day wore on, his patience wore on, and eventually, at some point, he just it was just getting too much for him for the most part. Yeah, Runfest is a different beast. I actually I worked there briefly. You may or may not remember, like for two or three weeks, like, I don't know, like 20, 25 years ago. So it's been a while. And there's definitely like a lot of the vendors, like you said, a lot of, they have a passion for what they do. Like, you know, they're the glass works people, the leather making people, the weaponsmiths, the, you know, they like what they do. And the people that work out there a lot of time have a passion for like, you know, this is fun. They get into character and it's a good time. Like it didn't work out for me because it was just like, I still worked a full-time job during the week and they basically like, I worked for the big company that runs the whole thing. I forget what the name, like it was like, ckc or something like which castle kitchens corporation or something at the time i don't know who runs it now and i worked for them i worked in the turkey leg booth and they basically worked you like freaking dogs you worked for me you were paid minimum wage you had to wake up at like seven in the morning or something like there something like that to get out to the booth and get everything ready you worked literally all day long you got a couple breaks we could wander around get food or whatever but nothing too great and then i think you were done whatever time like you know whatever time the fest is over you're done with and then you've got to clean up and then basically everybody just stays in this giant campground and most people just party all night but i was just too freaking exhausted so i just slept and then you wake up at seven the next morning just do it all again so it just it didn't work for me um but i know at the time at least a lot of people that would do that would just go there to hang out in the campgrounds and party or you know um there's some people that followed around and do the whole whole fest like they'll do minnesota and then they'll go down to i don't know wherever that goes after this kansas city or something um but it's a good time if i had my choice between like that and the state fair i'd probably do that just because it's it's a different atmosphere it's you know you don't get quite as much white trash and you know it's at least got something going on for it aside from just walking around and eating food there's at least a unique atmosphere to it there there was like one moment where i felt like yelling at a kid there was like probably like a 12 13 year old and like, as I said, I saw some like people, fire acrobats working with a lot of different things. And the whole time this kid's like, like we're all sitting in like these like wooden benches and this kid's pacing around on his cell phone. And the kid has like a Venom t-shirt. He's got like a big orange ball cap and stuff. Looks completely out of place there. Like his parents dragged him there and this kid didn't care about it at all. And I almost felt like just telling this kid, just shut up, get the hell out of here. Go, go somewhere else. But, you know, I'm sure, oh, my mom needs to see where I am. Well, good. Maybe you'll get abducted or something. I don't know. Here's hoping. But, yeah. I, yeah, Renfest is kind of weird. Like, the people, that's the thing, is most people that go to Renfest want to be there. But I suppose if that kid that gets dragged there against your will, maybe not so much. The food options there, not very good. No, that is one thing I think where the State Fair beats out. Like, if you're going strictly for the food, you want to go State Fair, not Renfest, because a lot of the food at Renfest is 
basically the same every year. You get the turkey legs, you got the popovers, you've got the the bread bowl soups and stuff like that. Um, you know, pork chop on a stick or whatever else they have out there. It doesn't it doesn't change year to year. Like every year, everybody at the state fair gets all excited about you know oh, they released the list of the vendors and what food they're having this week and this is the new stuff and looks awesome and you know but you know the stuff of the runfest isn't necessarily bad. It's just kind of static and status quo. Like if you go one year. It's probably going to be the same the next year. Right. Yeah, have their one place or like, look, it's flatbread pizzas or look, here's cheese curds or here's beef sticks, here's turkey on a leg. There was one unique thing I saw there where basically they had it where it wasn't like a corn dog. Instead, like it was almost like a weird like beer brattered, like a different type of batter seat, like deep fried like hot dog. And that was actually pretty good. I liked it. But huh, Interesting. Yeah, this year at the State Fair, they had like a tater tot wrapped Hot dog, like corn dog type thing that was wrapped in tater tots instead of your typical corn dog breading. Yeah, I don't. I like did not have it. Fair. I didn't go to the state fair this year, but it's funny because the I went to a Twins game. There's somebody I know from a comic book message board that came in. And he was doing a tour of like trying to hit every ballpark in America in like one summer, and he came to the Twins game. So I went to the game with him. It was the night when there was like a huge torrential downpours and everything. And like the state fair, that's the night the state flare got like flooded and everything. Oh, yeah, I remember that. And nothing's more epic when you're watching just torrential rains and sheets of rain as you're sitting under the concourse. And it's funny because with that uh, Twins game, too, I remember like telling him at the beginning, it's like, I got to warn you, I never get out of a Twins game before four hours. He's like, what? It's like, for some reason, every Twins game I go to is long. So there was a rain delay. It was like in the seventh inning, threw the tarps over anything. And there was a fast-moving storm. So it took like about 45 minutes to an hour from the storm to pass, get everything cleared through. Then the game went to extra innings. And I just turned him like, yeah, see, look. Like the Twins were losing. They came back in the ninth inning. What made it funny, though, is how the Twins won. They won on a walk-off walk. What? Really? Yep. Loaded bases. They walked in the winning run. Wow. That's interesting. You don't mm-hmm. see that too often. Nope. Uh, it was the most anticlimactic way that you could ever win a baseball game. And I laughed hysterically and... when I saw it. I was even like, when it was like three and one, I'm like, watch, he's going to walk in the run. And once that ball, I saw leave his hand like, that's a ball. I can tell immediately. <laughs> and sure enough, I'm just laughing. The funny thing, too, is that there were so many San Francisco Giants fans over at the game. That was who the opponent was. Like, after the rain delay, uh, almost all the Twins fans left. So I would say after the rain delay, about 60% of the people in the ballpark are Giants fans. So they're like, oh, man, the Giants, we just want to see them win. And just probably the mental depression of, like, staying all that time just to watch them lose in that manner had to be just soul-crushing. It's odd that there are so many, like, I wouldn't have thought that that's, you know, like, obviously we're going to get Brewers fans, we're going to get, you know, Cardinals fans up here probably, but, like, San Francisco wouldn't be a team I would think we, A, have a lot of transplants for here in Minnesota, or B, would travel out this way to see them. I would say this. I mean, if you look in a lot of, like, articles or stuff about top baseball stadiums in the United States, Target Field usually falls in, like, the top one-third of those. It usually gets a lot of reviews because of overall its amenities, its look, its feel, its aesthetic, and everything. So, you know, games I've gone to, you know, watching baseball there, I do see a lot of visiting fans there. And I think part of it makes sense because it's – 
in a downtown area that's easily accessible by like met you know local transit by you know it's somewhere close by where the airports are so it's easier to get to those games like i i'm sure have you ever gone and seen a brewers game in uh, milwaukee i have i was there last year so i like actually the stadium it's a nice stadium but it is so isolated which is great because hey if you want to like uh tailgate and stuff awesome but it's just out in its own independent area, which is yeah, by was, nothing. I was kind of on the outskirts of downtown a little bit with the Seattle. Gi- giant parking lot, like you said, if you're going to tailgate, it was great, which isn't something we can really do since all of our big sports stadiums are right in downtown. But, but yeah, kind of in an odd space. Yeah, yeah, it was. I don't know. That covers everything I, I was going to probably talk about this episode. Anything you want to talk about? Not much. I mean, there probably should be since it's been so long since we've been on here. Um yeah, I mean, like, my August has been busy, too. Like, this summer in general has just been weird because I've had the new job, which I've been st- I'm have been, i still kind of getting used to just because the hours are so weird and different. Um, You know, like, I get in at 4.30 and don't leave sometimes till you know, 3.30 sometime. You know, there have been a couple days where we've had bad nights where I don't leave till almost 5. Um, So just getting used to that, and especially, you know, with the kids being back in school, like, I don't really see them a whole lot during the week. Um. I have gotten lucky because, like, you know, I'm in one of the departments that just doesn't work a lot of weekends. You know, if I was, like, if I was in spam, for example, I'd be working a lot of Saturdays, whereas in the department I'm in, we don't work a whole lot. I worked my first Saturday last week um, in the four months that I've been there. That's the first Saturday I've worked. So um, so there is that. But, like, we've just been busy this summer. Like, my daughter had some surgery in the early in spring, which carried into uh summertime so like we've only been up to the cabin twice this summer um which is kind of weird because now that i'm not working a lot of weekends i could have actually gone to a lot of it we've just been busy like with her recovery and stuff like that um and then they've got their sports too like she you know my son played soccer and he did a couple other sports um just busy doing other things i don't know we've been going up to the cities a fair amount like we were up in the cities this weekend we're going up next weekend again um so yeah nothing like nobody's done any camps but it's just been a weird busy just yeah just a a different summer because yeah like we get up to the cabin usually a lot more times than two you know usually we go up two three times a month much less you know two three times a summer which is what it's going to be this year so you know such is life i suppose yeah yeah life is life is weird it is it is yes indeed (sighs) man i hate people People suck sometimes. Yeah. That is very true. That they do. Well, folks, let's wrap this up. One hour is the longest. You could probably sit with us listening to us in a car or at a dentist yeah. office or wherever you listen to us. Maybe you do it while you're working out. I don't know. Or cutting the grass or folding laundry. Who knows? Maybe. Maybe. But yeah, an hour is pretty good. I think we've gone, what's our longest one? An hour and 45? Almost two hours once. Something like that, talking about the X-Men or something. That sounds about right. Yes. Well, folks. Good stuff. I'm Mike Spriegel. And I'm John Lundquist. Thank you for joining us. Oh, yeah, everybody. Have a good one.